0: What happens when veterinarians feel that a law, regulation, a rule isn't fair to everyone? Should they boycott? Should they avoid? How can we get our voices and opinions heard in a meaningful and respectful fashion? This week, we've got a special guest who's going to talk about a stand he's taking and maybe why veterinarians should rethink their approach to social advocacy. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine and viewfinders. This week, we are joined by someone who is no stranger to tackling the toughest topics. He's been a guest on here many times before. Becky, tell him who we got.
1: Today, we're super excited to have a, I don't know, friend of the show. He's been on a bunch of times and um, I'm not entirely sure if you're in the veterinary field, if you can scroll through your social media lately without seeing his name, Mr. Steven Sattal is here to, I don't know, I really think tackle maybe one of the toughest topics we have yet.
0: Yeah, and I think viewfinders, you know, we've seen a lot of of issues over the past several years, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's the recent SCOTUS uh, Roe versus Wade overturning. I mean, we've had these issues in politics and in social areas that maybe veterinarians want to take a stand, but what kind of stand should they take? So we're super excited to introduce Stephen Sattal to you once again. He's an amazing registered veterinary technician. He's a specialist. I mean, Stephen, thank you once again for spending time with our, our audience.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, happy to talk with y'all, but uh, sorry under these circumstances.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, you've joined us. With, we're talking about cannabis and pride and so forth. Uh, and this time, it's actually a little more personal and a little more impactful. So maybe, Stephen, if you could just start out by explaining what what's been going on on your social media that Becky alluded to, and and then I want to get into maybe how veterinarians could actually you know help and, and join if they see fit.
2: Sure. So I, I think. We as a country, we're all aware of some recent um, decisions the Supreme Court has handed down, particularly Roe versus Wade. And um, I, I am an avid speaker at a lot of different conferences. I, I usually average between 20 and 30 conferences a year. Uh, I have a lot of exposure that way. And as a Latino person, as a gay person, as a person who has very close family members and friends, who have been sexually assaulted as someone myself that has been sexually assaulted. I could not stomach going into some of these States that are creating some very restrictive laws, not only about my own body and who I am as an individual, but also for the majority of the professionals in our industry, a majority of the practitioners are female and, and, Myself, as someone that is a mama's boy, that is, you know, very much a a feminist at heart, uh, whatever that definition means nowadays, I I wanted to do something that would speak to our female colleagues. And so what I decided to do as an avid speaker was to not speak (laughs) in these states that have highly restrictive uh, abortion bans or women's access to healthcare uh, laws. Uh, And I've also decided to incorporate into that, that mix states that have pretty egregious anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ laws as well. Um, And that, you know, that originally kind of started in North Carolina in particular with a bathroom bill they were famous for. Um, I did create a little bit of a stir with a, a lab animal conference that's, that was being held in that state um but I, I, I wanted to take this stand and it gained a lot more traction on social media than i thought it would um on linkedin as of this morning there were over 30,000 impressions um facebook multiple thousand uh views shares etc uh instagram same thing and then on instagram interestingly enough i, I have some uh what we would call influencers um uh, follow me and they shared it. And it, it kind of took off more. Uh, so that was a stand that I took. And in general, I, I got a lot of support for it. A lot, a lot of support. And I, I did have to cancel on some states that I, I didn't feel comfortable going into anymore. Right. And um, to my surprise, <laughs> the organizers, at least one in particular, was very, very supportive. Um, you know, they're a, a Gay woman, they they feel the same exact way I do, and it it hasn't been terrible. Obviously, I feel bad about leaving some of those what I put in my my statement, some good people in those states hanging from not being able to learn from whatever I had to say in that particular state. But I, I'm hoping that by not going into these states and hopefully getting other colleagues or or decreasing attendee numbers, it will make these attendees frustrated. And I ask in my posts to not take that frustration out on me, but to use that frustration to enact change within your state so that all your colleagues can feel comfortable working, visiting, learning in your particular state.
1: So, okay. So you encapsulated (laughs) that nice and clean, but let's, let's, let's unpack it because Yes, you did take the stand. You put a very eloquently written letter out on Facebook. But the part that you haven't mentioned, the part that made a lot of people uncomfortable, the part that none of us want to sit in right now is, you made this choice, right? But Mm -hmm. the flip side of this is, for those of us that speak in those states or work in those states that don't make this choice, you push back with, we are not advocates. And that was the part that you and I, I was like, no, 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 don't, no, that's uncomfortable. I don't like it. It makes me sad. I'm an advocate, but I also love educating. And I, I love the people that are there learning. We had some amazing conversation around it, you and I personally, but like, there's some conversation that is, is uncomfortable on, on these posts that are saying like, don't say I'm not an advocate because I don't make this choice as well. And I think that's the part I really wanted you to come on and talk about today. Cause I think that's the part where the rest of us are uncomfortable, right? Like we can look at you and say, "Oh, applaud. Great, great right. job, Stephen. Right. We super support you, but do we, if we don't additionally pull out of these states as well? Now I know that there were also some alternatives talked about that you might want to talk right. about and right. things like that. Right. But let's talk about that hard part because what you're doing is incredible, right? It's honorable. It's important. But then some of uh, some of the rest of us are having our feet held to the fire, and oof, I don't like it. I told you I don't like it. It's (laughs) uncomfortable. I don't wanna. So let's talk about that part.
2: Yeah. So I think it's fair that I do read that little section, um, if you don't mind, um, because it is the contentious part. You know, I've had two actually uh, emails from people that I know that have reached out and were like, "This is really uncomfortable." They were upset. They felt it was a deep cut to them, and I'm like. It's not. And this is a point of self-reflection. So let me just read that section. So I wrote, I know this will affect those good people in those states that do not agree with how their state is acting. And I ask you to not get sour with me. Get mad at your officials, vote and speak out. Take the frustration I may have caused you and use it for good for the people that are being hurt by your home state's laws. To those of you who will choose to continue to make money by speaking at these events or excited because this is a first speaking event for you, continue to do so. But please do not come at me and say, this is an opportunity to teach others and be an example, unless you are specifically speaking on DEI topics. And I should also include kind of wellness topics as well. Um, What is your privilege? That is your privilege, excuse me, speaking, and we are way past that. Uh, What you are really doing is looking for justification to sell out. Again, that is okay, but please understand, you just relinquished your allyship, which is a big kind of discussion, right, that we're having in veterinary medicine, how to be an ally for each other. Uh, I have been sold out before like this, and it hurts. One day you might understand. There is a ton of self-reflecting and discomfort that comes along with it. It is hard. I have not always been an example I thought I was either." So that's the part that really stings for a lot of people. And I think this really goes back to what we saw in the summer with the the George Floyd protests. Um, And this is really, especially for people with multiple points of intersectionality, whether that's being a, a, a person of color, whether that is being part of the LGBTQ mafia, um, as my friend Carrie likes to say, uh, whether that is having a disability. uh, And now, now that includes having a uterus. Um, And I I think there's this really good quote by an author. Her name is Kelsey Smoot that I think kind of encapsulates this. So, So she wrote this particular quote, during the George Floyd uh, protest. So it is kind of race centered, but I think it can be applied in particular in this context. So what she wrote is, the truth is, genuine allyship is not kindness. It is not a charitable act, nor is it even personal commitment to hold anti-racist ideals, insert all the other things now. Uh, it is a fall from grace. Real allyship allyship enacted by white Americans with a clear objective to make equitable uh, the lived experiences of individuals across racial lines means a willingness to lose things, not just the extra $50 in one's monthly budget by way of donating to an organization working towards racial justice. I mean palpable, incalculable loss the loss of the charmed life associated with being a white person in America, or a male in this case, <laughs> refusing a pay raise at one's job and insisting that it be reallocated to co-workers of color who are undoubtedly being underpaid, the loss of potentially every close relationship with other white friends and family members who refuse to acknowledge or amend their behaviors that reinforce systemic oppression, the loss of bodily safety, by way of physically intervening when violence is being inflicted on black bodies.
0: Yep, that's powerful right there. And I, and I tell you, Stephen, you know, obviously, like every other cis Romeo, whatever, right? You know, I'm like, you know, hey, I appreciate what you're saying, you know, and uh, and I really applaud you. And you know that on a personal level and professional level. Having yeah. said that, I do think, you know, most of the comments that I saw that were negative around it were just about, well, now you're making me feel guilty. What about inclusion right. of my, what if I want to object in a different fashion? And, you know, and, and a lot of the messages that I saw were around, well, I'm protesting in a different way. You're saying if I don't protest in this specific way that you have dictated, then I'm not an ally anymore. And I don't know if I agree with that. How do you respond to those types of comments?
2: You know it's it's interesting because when I first put this out here, and when we talk about these kind of really uncomfortable topics to begin with, especially from people um, that are on a that are affiliated with a particular uh, political party, tend to say, you know, this is a difference of opinion, and you can have yours. I can have mine. You don't need to attack me uh, is a common word that I hear mm. for my opinions. And I push back and say, you know, it's interesting because the, the political party that I have affiliations with does not create laws to stop people from having certain rights. Right. Um, when your party does do that, and some of those certain rights or, you know, put air quotes around rights, are, are more than just this social thing that we like or dislike. Some of them are human rights. Like, a woman's, a, a person's with a, a uterus bodily autonomy to make decisions for themselves, my right to marry my husband, you know, these are just basic human rights in my right. opinion. And and it's hard to, to swallow what they're trying to tell you with, with kind of that argument that you had uh, uh, brought up earlier.
0: Yeah. And Stephen, you, know, I think, and I want to get your opinion on this. So, I agree. You know, it seems like we are losing more and more personal freedoms and liberties every day. I mean, this last Dobbs ruling that overturned Roe versus Wade was was just one in a long series uh, of really, I think, concerning rulings and and regulations and rules being passed across the country. For you, was it just an additive effect? Like, did you just reach a breaking point? I mean, because there are a lot of issues you've raised that have been going on now for quite some time, and you didn't boycott, so to speak, those states then. Did it just reach a breaking point for you and you said enough's enough?
2: It did. Um, and, you know, one thing I, I missed in my statement, um, which is always implied, I just forget to mention it because I feel like everyone should know, but obviously they don't, is I should have included rights that affect BIPOC communities as well. So, sure, right. um, you know, that's that's always implied in my statements. Um, but, you know, it, it certainly... Was this tipping point for me? But it's also an opportunity because now, and I have to word this carefully because I'm not trying to to compare struggles, and I I think that's toxic when we do that. Right. But you know, when we when we look at the BIPOC community, the marginalized communities that aren't uh, necessarily uh, gender based or or uh, abilities to uh, get pregnant based. when I, when I chat with my friends at the Multicultural Veterinary Medical Association or Possibilities or any of these great kind of DEI diversity organizations within veterinary medicine, we finally have more than 60% of our colleagues who maybe do not, um, do not uh, have the same lived experiences as a gay person or as a black person or as a Latino person, uh, as a disabled person, we finally have more than 50% of our colleagues that will get a taste of what it's like to not have the same equity and rights as the, your marginalized community. And I'm hoping, I am hoping, like I am, you know, (laughs) people often joke with me, you know, uh, oh, you always choose violence. Yes, I I do often choose the more aggressive path um, because I've seen too much of this trying to work together, come together, kumbaya kind of stuff fail because uh, the other side is not doing that um, and steven
0: to be clear you are this in no way is an aggressive or violent i mean boycotting is actually the most passive you know, and i think peaceful measure of of protest so i you know, whoever gave it, you that i don't disagree
2: thank, thank you i appreciate that because I, I do get a lot of feedback like you always you know you're always choosing the the violence way and i'm like is this really violence but you know what
0: it's worse I'll,
2: I'll take your stupid word that's fine right, right. Um,
1: clearly they've never been throat punched <laughs> right
2: exactly i know,
1: i'm just gonna i'm just just gonna go with that's not a, they clearly never experienced
2: that yeah. so so you know I, I'm hoping that this is a tipping point for all of us where you know again not to, to be a hypocrite but like where we as women or 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 um, uh, bipoc community or LGBT community disabled community etc can actually come together and, and make this poll like I heard a recent statistic um, that if five percent of white women, voted either way, that will change an election in pretty much every state.
0: Yes, that's That's true. That
2: is so darn powerful. (laughs) And this is really hopefully something we can come together around, um, not just abortion rights, but all the other things that have been missing within the last, well, I was going to say a couple of years, but really they've been missing uh, for the last, (laughs) since the foundation of America uh, for all communities.
1: It's, you know, the whole thing is it's such an important thing to talk about. It's such an important thing to sit in um, and to have these conversations about. And the cool thing is, is like, I I mean, I think when people are like, oh, you you choose violence. I, I think what they mean to say is you choose honesty, like unbridled honesty. And people are not necessarily used to that, including the vulnerability of talking about your own situations in a very personal way, because, Steven, you're a very accomplished person who holds a certain level, right, in the industry. And so opening up on a personal side and saying, here's what the real struggle looks like, or X, Y, or Z, or, or, you know, even just the stereotypical things that you've mentioned, like the gay best friend and flying the flags and having the pins and posting the memes. You know, we all believe um, that we are unbiased and supporters, but you know, it's like you said, kind of um, in terms of, and, and I want to say at the sake of sidebarring here, I don't think that you intended your post to become a social movement. I think it was a very personal statement from you. Mm-hmm. Here's what I am doing. I don't, I, I don't feel you intended this to be a call to action necessarily the way that it became.
2: Right. I, you know, my call to actions my actual call to actions would not look like this. Um, (laughs) um, So it was very personal. Right. Um, And I I did want to back up a little bit because, because Dr. Ward asked something and I I didn't answer it um, specifically for those people that choose to continue to go to those States to make money uh, in those particular States. Uh, I had a few colleagues that are also avid speakers. Uh, They are growing speakers and um, you know, uh, I've had a couple that were like, oh, you know, why are you doing this to me? And I'm like, okay, th- you're a person that needs some self reflection right now. Like, don't center yourself. This is not about you. This was not directed at right. you. This is not about you. And then I had other ones, uh, in particular, um, Emily Kenny and um, Heather Ann Scott, who have actually taken my post and made it work for them. And in my opinion, maintain their allyship card, whatever that is supposed to look like. And so what these individuals have done, in particular, this is for the, the IVEX conference, which is a conference I do love. Um, you know, they felt they could not back out at this point because it's too close to the actual event and they'd be letting down their colleagues, which I could argue either way on that. But the point is, is they took what I said and they made it work for them. And I think they made it work in a really good way. So there are certainly going to be people that... Um, are wanting to still go or still have to go or whatever the situation is. So they're putting together lists of restaurants, pharmacies, other establishments where participants of the IVEX conference can go to and feel good about spending their money because it does come down to money. Um, And then the other interesting thing that um, they are doing is putting together um, a letter to the VEX organization asking that they reconsider where these locations are going to be held. And then Heather has also designed a really cool t-shirt that, um, you know, says multiple things like, uh, that are very supportive, um, to, to these cause as far as women's rights, gay rights, et cetera. So they took my initiative and they made it work, uh, for them, and, and again, my opinion, I think it preserves their their allyship card. So, right. <laughs> they and just- took my words and used it in a in a very. Good
0: way. Right. And to clarify, good. Viewfinders, if you're not familiar, what this um, these people did was they actually are, have a list of, of, of restaurants that are LBGTQ, uh, either advocates or, or strong supporters of in that community owned by in many of the cases. And so I think that's a great way to make sure, well, if, at least if you're going to show up in that town or that state, you're going to support people that are actually fighting for change. You know, one
2: other group I I really want to give a shout out to for their stand that they're taking is uh, Dr. Pardot and Dr. Farrell, who are both uh, boarded criticalists. And what they've done is, again, not trying to cancel IVEX, not trying to to do anything against the organization, but to really spur them to reevaluate where they're holding some of these conferences. And so they've put together a petition that's circulating around on social media. You can find it on my LinkedIn or my Facebook, which are both public um to to sign hopefully so that we can have uh conferences in places where all attendees will feel comfortable yeah.
1: well and i think it's important too i mean fighting for change and if we are looking at women-owned businesses and businesses owned by people of color supporting people who are in an environment on a daily basis that is hostile and right. maybe losing business right now it, it it was like, say, say their names again, Stephen. I know as Emily, uh, that it's really important what they did.
2: Uh, Emily, Kenny and Heather and Scott.
1: I don't know if they listen, but we'll, we probably ought to make sure that they <laughs> listen to the one that they get a big fat shout out. Because what I love about what they did is they didn't, they took their feelings and like, oh, I'm feeling something here. I don't love, <laughs> but he's not wrong. Um, he is right. And, and like you said, how do I make this work in my world? And I think this is important to talk about. So what I was saying in saying this is, this was not a call to action for you in that moment, having had time to reflect, having had a time to have these conversations. I'm not asking like, if you would go back, like, what would you change your word or whatever? Cause I, I like that it came from your heart and it was in the moment, But what have, what are other ways we can protest and support? So say for example, you know, like, you know, I work very closely with Beringer and Mm -hmm. I, I have reps in that, in that area who are female, um, who are in the LGBTQ community who want to support who, but like live there and like have to do their job and work and thrive there. What are some other ways? Because and I want to mention this, it is not your responsibility to teach us how to be good allies. It is our job to do the research. So I'm sorry, I'm asking you, I'm putting you on the spot and I'm I'm doing what I say and not what I do or whatever, but I just want to disclaimer it, you guys, it's not about go ask your people of color and your LGBTQ community and your people with uteri how to help. It is like, doing the research, but since we have you here and you're talking, what else can we do to protest? Like, what is it? And even if we are like, oh, I paid for VEX and I'm not pulling out of it other than these restaurants or whatever, like, and maybe I'm not even in this speaking and traveling community, but I want to help. Like, what are the ways to protest that are effective in your opinion? Because you've been having this conversation so much right now.
2: Right. So before the protest, I, I think it's even more important for those people to just listen to people from these communities. Don't reply back. Don't even think about how you're going to reply back. Just stop and listen. Um, You know, I I see this so much, whether it's in person, whether it's online, when we're trying to create these movements or trying to create this positive change, I I, I see the people that are, are voting or have opinions a certain way that are usually in contrast to whatever event is going on. Just not listen, and and I mean we're certainly guilty on the other side as well. But listening, I think, is going to be really critical. And then as far as what things you can do, um, there are a number of organizations in every single state that are uh, raising money to so specific to the the uh, healthcare access issue. There are certain organizations that um, are raising funds, uh, to, uh, send women or people with uteri to other states so that they can get the healthcare that they need. You can donate to PFLAG, which is a, um, parents, friends, family of, uh, lesbian, gays, LGBT organization, um, that help people, um, maintain their, their, Uh, rights within their state. There are organizations that are trying to maintain access for uh, children that are maybe uh, transitioning at this point. Um, So there are a bunch of different organizations they can either donate to, volunteer uh, for. um, And then I would always just stress, you know, a real protest is also education. So continuously learning about these issues and staying up to date on how these issues intertwine with you as an individual in your particular state and and how you may have certain privileges that other people in your community may not have. And just continually being able to learn and be aware of that so that if you see this kind of behavior, we, we cannot deny that Certain groups are being more emboldened within the the states to actively be violent or harass uh, marginalized communities and now women at large, uh, people with interests at large, um, so that you can, as I wrote as as I read from Kelsey Smoot's um, little quote here, so that you can insert yourself um, and say something if you are seeing these bad behaviors uh, happening in front of you.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and and Stephen, too, one, one quick thing, and I know we don't have time today to get into all of the politics, but viewfinders, this is why we always say vote. And honestly, you know, vote at the state level. That is where most of these rules and regulations affect you on a daily basis. And, you know, Stephen, I learned when I had my you know, failed political run uh, for state Senate here in North Carolina, again, as a Democrat, and talking about most of these issues. I mean, this was 2014, Stephen, and we were talking about these issues then, and they've only yeah. gotten worse, in my opinion. But, you know, it's to listen. Like, I had the opportunity and privilege to go to see these communities in their environments, right? And to go and talk to people that were underprivileged and that were being discriminated actively against in our state. And the listening part, viewfinders, is so important because I think that, again, coming from a white male hetero background, you know, I didn't grow up that way. And so to go into these different communities and listen and learn really was eye-opening. And I think that that of all the things that I've ever in life to learned is that we need to be there to not only support and nurture and help each other, but to understand each other. And Stephen, I think this is a clear case of people going, well, you know, I've got my own opinion. I'm locked into it. And they're unwilling to actually hear. And I think that you did kick off and catalyze a broader conversation, right? Not just this quote unquote boycotting of certain things, but I think you really made us all self-reflect in a way that as Becky mentioned, can be painful and uncomfortable at times, but I think it's only positive and progressive in the end.
2: Thank you. And, you know, I, I did forget a big one, Dr. Ward, uh, as far as what members can do that live in these particular states or maybe, you know, want to take a more actionable thing uh, wherever their, their circumstance happens to be. And that is look at the organizations that you're members of and what those organizations are doing to either support or not support people in these com- communities. And again, this goes really back to. Uh, Half of our more than half of our profession that identify as women. You know, when we look at AVMA's PAC, their political action committee, this was put together uh, by Snout School, good friend Daniel Lambert. Um, When we look at how these particular organizations are supporting some of these people that are voting against uh, human rights for (laughs) their citizens, for their colleagues. It's really important. I, I I just want to give some stats really quick, if you wouldn't mind. So, in particular, ABMA's PAC donated over thirty thousand dollars to Republican Alabama um, Representative Robert Alder Hort, uh, who voted against women's access, um, and then tweeted actually <clears throat> on May second, uh, "Roe v. Wade has become outdated and needs to be struck down." Uh, We also have forty three thousand dollars going to representative from Nebraska, Adrian Smith, who actually co-sponsored Title X Abortion Provider Prohibition Act. And the list goes on. I have to throw in this one because I'm Stephen. I think it's kind of funny. They donated eleven thousand to Dusty Johnson, um, a Republican (laughs) from South (laughs) Dakota who voted against a bill allowing remote access to health care. And then I think I think. This was big enough that people might remember. You know, AVMA uh, did Ted nothing. Ted Yoho did, yeah, exactly. <laughs> did, you knew it, right? It said it. Did nothing to support the women in field for Ted Yoho from Florida. Um, And instead, they gave him an award in 2021 for his work promoting veterinary medicine. Now, I find it hard to believe that any Congress member from any political party is really going to vote vehemently against anything veterinarians want. So this whole idea of supporting veterinarians, blah, 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 is cute and it sounds nice. But really, like, veterinarians are still one of America. Well, I don't know if that's true anymore. They were one of America's favorite professions and most trusted professions I I, I don't think we need to pour a lot of money into these people to get their support for veterinary-related legislation. It just sounds silly to me.
1: Well, and I think that that's an important thing to note and remember is that your state veterinary medical board is appointed by your government. They do associate and affiliate with a political party, and we do have a say in who ends up on our veterinary medical board. We don't vote per se, but we can reach out to those um, in in North Carolina and in other states. You can find out where who appoints these members and have conversations about if they should or should not be on the board. But I know from personal experiences, these boards are often shaped with political affiliations <laughs> think. um that are associated with our government in our state office and so if you don't think your state and local government is affecting you it is literally affecting who sits on your veterinary medical board hey vet techs you know that's really important especially for you if you have any representation at all so I think we that this trickles down if, if you are if you've made it this far you probably do think that this is important to you because <laughs> you're 30 minutes into the podcast but if you don't Literally all of this, all of these um, thought processes and how we treat humans and human rights are 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 literally affecting you right down to your license. And you think it isn't about you until it's about you. Right. And I think there were a lot of people who were like, there's no way they're going to overturn. Wrote like versus, and to be fair, you know, they just took the federal protection away. I'm going to say just in quotations, right? But it allows the states to go willy nilly, do what they want, is not protecting us. And I think for a lot of folks, this is the first time they felt unprotected. And to Stephen's point earlier, it's not a good thing, but it is a thing where I think a lot of our population is like, Yep, we know, come over here, we'll help you get through this moment where it feels really bad. But we're all going to have to unite and stop feeling uncomfortable in our own country.
0: Well, and, and again, you know, this is like Becky said, this has far reaching implications. Like we talked about in our special edition on this. I mean, right now people are being denied methotrexate, an autoimmune drug, right? Yeah, because right it's an fashion. And, uh, you know, so Stephen, we don't know where this winds up, but I do want to say we could spend all day talking to you about this. I want to thank you again for coming on, sharing your perspectives, but most importantly, Stephen, for actually standing up for a large community that often is silent and isn't supported in the way that it should be. And you know what? I I admire you and respect you on so many levels. And, and again, viewfinders, whether or not you choose to boycott or do whatever, you know, I hope this will make you self-reflect on your actions and the impacts they have on us around on, the, on those people around us. And again, Stephen, thanks for, for again, challenging me on a personal level, but more importantly, challenging our profession. Thank you sincerely. Thank
2: you. I, I, is it weird to say my pleasure?
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it kind of no. is, but it's you know what you know what you're strong and you are fighting for what you believe in, and that's all you can ever expect from another hum- human being. And you do it respectfully, peacefully. You don't do it violently. <laughs> you know, you do it with strong actions that actually just try to forward a message. And you know that's way better than being a thug in a mask, shouting at people across the street and throwing things. So thank you.
1: Well, and I will say, um, and I said it to you before, Stephen, you've had to be brave a lot of times in your life. And this is just another one of them. And a lot of us don't necessarily know what it feels like to have to be really brave. And I'm I'm glad that you have the platform and the fortitude that you do to be able to shoulder it. But I want you to know that there are a lot of people shoulder to shoulder with you trying to carry this with you. Um, You have given us a lot to think about and even more to feel about Um, that's uncomfortable. I don't love it. Thanks, but no thanks. But honestly, I appreciate you. And um, I know, for a fact, there are a lot of people out there who really appreciate you saying what they can't um, and conveying what they feel. So, um, you know, just a big kudos applause to you, Stephen, it's a big deal. And even though we know that it was not a call to action, you created a call to action, that's really important and historic in this industry. And we're grateful to have you on to talk about it today. So people can really find action.
0: That's right. So viewfinders, what do you think? What action will you take? Did this make you think about your actions and the impact it has on the world around us? Let us know on social media. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder over on Twitter at VetViewfinder. And of course, you can always send us an email to veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. And I'll tell you, Becky loves getting them. But if it's Kind of a I don't know if, if you
1: ignore me, I'm not I'm gonna <laughs> ignore you. Don't don't you doctor ward me. I'm open in those emails, y'all. Oh,
0: <laughs> guys, stay safe. Thank you. Take action, make the change that you want to see in the world, just like Steven Sattal, amazing individual. Thanks again, guys. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.
2: Bye.